Welcome to the e-commerce lab by EcomC. This is the place for everything related to Amazon's private label and e-commerce. Learn exactly what you need to start or scale your business. Get insights from the top industry experts who will discuss the latest trends and best practices in the world of Amazon. From choosing products and sourcing from a supplier to setting up your Amazon account and marketing your business, you will hear it here. Let's get started. Here is your host, Vincenzo Toscano. Hello, guys. Welcome to another episode of the Commerce Lab by Ecomsi, the place of everything related to Amazon FBA and e-commerce. My name is Vincenzo Toscano, founder and CEO of Ecomsi. And today we bring you a very special guest. Her name is Yana, and she's the CEO and founder of ELT Translations, which is an amazing agency where they specialize on everything that has to do with listings, optimization, and translations when you're expanding overseas. So what a very person actually to, to discuss today's topic, which is around global expansion. We're going to be touching about how you can basically expand your, your product to other marketplaces and what are some of the mistakes you should be avoiding. So it's a pleasure to have you here, Jana. Thank you very much for coming. How are you doing today? Hi, Vincenzo. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. Um, I've seen other episodes. Uh, we had like tons of guests. I'm really honored to be among the, those like e-com experts you invited to be on and share my knowledge today with you and your audience. Yeah, thank you for coming. I mean, to be honest, I have been following uh, your work for uh, for a long time now, and I, I love what you do, the strategies, uh, and whenever you speak on stage as well, I love all the presentations. So I think you're going to for mm -hmm. sure share a lot of nuggets today to, to the <laughs> Amazon community. So Absolutely. before we jump into the topic today, I usually like to use a, a couple of minutes before um, of the episode, you know, to learn about our guests, right? So I would like to to hear about you, how you got started into e-commerce and how you landed into basically also founding this amazing agency, GLT Translations. So let's go from there, yeah. Sure, so um, I founded YLT about four years ago. Uh, and uh, I, this, this, this is my first business. And I've, I've never thought that I, I would have become a business owner if you asked me like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, before that, I was working for about eight years in one of the biggest e-commerces in Europe. And I was their COO. And this is where I've learned everything about e-commerce because this was my first uh, actual, like first real job, like after university. Yeah. Um, and so my background is languages. I got bachelor's and master's in Norwegian, Swedish, German, and English. And uh, I got like into e-commerce when I was 21 and I found it really, really excited. And I was really grateful to have an opportunity to learn about how to build an e-com store from scratch and like everything that goes with it. And this yeah. is also um, how my, by, my path <laughs> um, uh, crossed with Amazon basically. Um, this e-commerce was a very big store about, I think they have like 100,000 products. Um, and then they didn't care much about their Amazon account because that was not their, you know, um, primary channel for, for sales. So I kind of played around with it a little bit. <laughs> and um, I saw that their international sales were not doing so well. So I just um, asked a couple of people from the customer service department um, that were native to just do a translation a little bit, do the keywords from the, you know, like keyword panel, Google AdWords, because 10 years ago, we didn't have all these amazing tools as we have right now, like yeah. Helium 10 or Datadive. And, uh, and after that, we start seeing some impressions and like, you know, um, uh, sales started picking up. And then I was just like, hmm, this is very, very interesting. 
And then uh, a couple of years after that, I decided to quit my job. And then I just wanted to start something on my own. And I just wanted to like combine my two passions, which were e-commerce and languages. And I came to an idea to start a um, an, uh, uh, an e-commerce translation agency, basically everything related with e-com. We yeah. like we, we we handled it, not Amazon specifically, but also like a bunch of other things. And then in time, we niche down to Amazon only, which is now basically ninety percent of our revenue comes uh, from Amazon sellers and big wow. Amazon brands that expand um, internationally. Wow, what a journey! Congrats on that. Yeah, I love yeah. it. It's yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah I, I think to be honest, you, you you found a very good niche, you know, uh, translations and basically helping these people expand overseas. Because I feel like, like five six years ago, most people, you know, when they were selling on Amazon, they were just basically copy pasting Google Translation and and that's it. But we know that doesn't work anymore. And, and translation is as a must now when you're expanding internationally. And that's definitely something that you need to do if you want to, you know, scale your business besides your home uh, country. And that's something I would like to actually start um, basically bringing to the table, which is whenever we talk about a uh, global expansion, most people think that it's basically, as I just said, just translating your listing as it is, most, most of the time in English, to Spanish, Italian, German, you name it copy paste it and not make any kind of localization, which is a huge mistake. So I would like to hear what is your take on here. I want some of your advices around that topic. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. So it's interesting that you say that, you know, like five, six years ago, people used to, you know, use Google Translate and translate their listings automatically. Well, unfortunately, it's still pretty much <laughs> yeah, the no. same I know, nowadays. I know, I know. <laughs> uh, that, that's why we have a lot of work because people still yeah. use it, unfortunately. And it's all about like the mindset. Like, you know, if you ask like US sellers, because most, most people in the US speak um, English, like a little bit spanish but i don't i don't think a lot of people are actually fluent in spanish yeah. uh, when it comes to u.s uh, population and then you know they don't think that you know content in different languages is important sometimes mm -hmm. like we had sellers that are like well we use google translate because we want to have the content in another language of this country where we're selling the product in but you know they don't really care it doesn't make a lot of sense they're just like oh but it is another language so it's better <laughs> to have that versus you know to be left in english and i don't know if that's actually good um because you know like even though um a lot of people in europe don't speak english i think that you know if you love that in english then you know they, they can use that use google translate and then it's yeah. their choice to use that but if you translate this and they, they go into a listing and they see that this text doesn't have a lot of sense then they mm. will skip and go to another listing. So I would say like if you're like debating whether to use Google Translate machine or leave it in English, I'd say like leave it in English because if you put it like in Google <laughs> Translate, you're just confusing these people <laughs> and they will like skip and go to the second product. And if they really like it, they will use Google Translate. So if it's confusing, it's still on them because they use machine translation. Yeah. Um, but definitely I cannot emphasize enough how the importance of having a content translated to other languages, because this is also how you connect with the audience. But more, more important than having like a beautifully uh, translated listing as you can get like from a translator that works on Fiverr is keywords. Because without keywords, nobody will be able to find this product. And these keywords are different on each marketplace. Even when you compare like the US and the UK marketplace, there are like a lot of differences, even mm. though both of these countries speak English. And we've recently had a seller and she was selling diapers, um, diaper bag for like kids' mm -hmm. diapers. Yeah. And she just copy, paste, copy pasted her US uh, <laughs> listing to UK. 
Um, And the problem was that that she was ranked for diapers in the UK, which means, which is basically a different product because the word diapers in the UK means adult diapers, not kids diapers. So she was just completely like, it was a complete disaster. And she spent a lot of time and money Mm. being ranked for, for a wrong product. So what usually happens is when people do machine translation, what like Amazon does their translations, like Amazon now sends us clients because they cannot do the translation good enough because they do the post editing of machine translation. Mm. They don't do keyword research or anything. And we we're ranked really high, like by Amazon's like service of like how good the translations are. Um, and the thing is that um, without these keywords, nobody will be able to be to find your product. And also you should not translate the keywords because in the US, these would be these keywords. But in yeah. the UK, so we're just talking about the same language, you're not going to have the same keywords, even though it's the same language. So just imagine how it is going to be for the German marketplace, I for know. Mexican, for Japan. So you definitely have to do a market, uh, uh, sorry, a keyword research from scratch. And a lot of people still don't do it. They just translate the keywords. So what basically happens when they launch the product on a new marketplace is that for six months, they're like, it's all good. Sales are going on. (laughs) But then six months after that time of success, the, you notice the sales start dropping. And that is most likely going to be because your content doesn't make a lot of sense and you don't have keywords. This is in 95% of the cases of the listings that we go through because we do like a bunch of audits. Yeah. Um, so this is mostly like we've seen that doesn't work well uh, mm. with other products. That is the, the thing that, you know, That's like doesn't. Yes. Okay. And then after okay. you fix it, you can see again the spike in sales. Um, okay. And I like to say that, you know, like of all of things that are very relevant for your listing, the images are definitely number one. And number two are definitely keywords. Um, and then, you know, beautiful written listing, all of that, bunch of other things. So I'm not saying that only keywords will sell your product. There's like a bunch of other, you know, it's like a big piece of a puzzle, bunch of pieces yeah. add to like one For big, sure. um, uh, you know, like uh, Amazon listing. But the keywords are definitely going to help and you will definitely see some improvement, if not in sales immediately, but you will see an immediate improvement in impressions of relevant uh, keywords for your uh, product. And what's very interesting is that I've done a bunch of analysis of the competitors with this tool called Data Dive. We really, really Mm. like to use it. And um, from what I found out is that um, you can be like, fantastic like fantastically big seller in the uk or us or whatever your home market is but then once you um expand international you're not doing that great of a job and so what i did is like i i did this testing of like i think it it was like german marketplace and french and i did like top seven eight products like best-selling products in both marketplaces and we compared about 15 uh, competitors per product and what i've seen is that uh, no matter how uh, competitive this product is and how how much money everybody's making in this category um only four and this is the the most competitors that we've seen do a good job out of 15 only for one product i think it was wet brush out of 15 competitors only four we're doing something good with their content. So mm-hmm. 11 other competitors, no matter how good they were you know, doing, they were not Chinese sellers, they were actual European US sellers. Uh, they were not doing a great job with their content, their keywords, which gave you an uh, a, a opportunity. I got in the market, basically. And just yeah. basically, you know, like, uh, you know, so uh, get ahead of them in their content game, the keywords. There's so many opportunities that they were n- not exploiting because 
A lot of sellers don't speak this language, so they don't actually care how their content sounds in foreign marketplaces. And um, for other top sellers, it was like maybe two competitors that actually knew what they were doing. Yeah. So just imagine entering this marketplace and having a really good optimized content that on a content level, you can get better than them. You can like rank this top three 100% because all of the other competitors don't have a lot of keywords. So they have good keywords and a lot of them are not using um, the ones that are, know what they're doing. They are missing out on a lot of potentially good mm. keywords. For instance, like there was also like a lunch box, like as a product. Mm -hmm. And then there are like a lot of um, lunch boxes that kids could use. Like a lot of yeah. products like lunch boxes are not entitled for the kids, especially, but there were a lot of lunch boxes that had like little flowers or like Disney That's characters, true. or, you know, they were like, you know, designed for kids. Yeah. And neither of them was using the lunch box kids uh, in French marketplace. And mm. then if your lunchbox had like, you know, like the kids, um, you know, like a decoration or whatever on a drawings, uh, yeah. nobody's using it. Like none, no, not, not, nothing in titles, nothing in bullets. Wow. And you could be using it on the French marketplace. And it's also a very highly competitive uh, product. Yeah. And there's so many different uh, opportunities for yeah. products like that, um, especially if it's like a highly competitive niche. Don't be scared because you do have a lot of competitors because there are in like, as I said, it, I think in almost every niche, there is yeah, an opportunity gonna for you have to them. get ahead just because yeah. the, the content is in foreign language. And I was really blown away by that fact because I was like, yeah, maybe this is just like this one product. And then I started like, you know, uh, comparing like seven, eight, nine top, top best selling products in that marketplace. And this is the conclusion that I got from the, the the end. And I was just really, really surprised. Yeah. Yeah. I think all those tips are amazing. I love the fact that you bring to the table the gaps in terms of these keywords that most of the people have in, in, in phrase match on their title, things like that, which data that can help you with that. Yeah. Um, and I think on top of that, a lot of people may ask this question to themselves as well, which they might say, okay, Jana, I totally agree with you. I love the fact that we need to use the right keyword. We need to find these phrases. Um, and basically, you know, enter these gaps into the market. But some people might also think that before I do this investment and go to all these countries, how do I know my product can actually succeed on those marketplaces? Because we know sometimes products, which are very easy on a daily basis, sometimes yeah. they don't succeed because of culture barriers, uh, religions, things like that. So usually when you work with your clients in, um, and you provide them with advice in terms of Maybe even if we use the right queue, your pro might not succeed because these are this and this. What are some mm -hmm. of those tips you usually provide uh, to clients when jumping? Yeah. yeah. So that's a that's a question that I get a lot. I mean, I call it like a million dollar question because you know, <laughs> yeah. if I had the answer to that, I'll just yeah. like, tell you. But we've recently started offering this report that will actually tell you if this product is going to be successful or not. So okay. what you can do uh, yourself is like you can go to a the seller central and they're offering this like it's some sort of like a uh, opportunity like mm -hmm. um, for your product and then you can see yeah. the sales you can yeah. see the demand so you can just like see like okay is this like a good marketplace or not so what you should not do what a lot of sellers do is just like oh let's just go to Germany or let's just go to France and they down, never yeah. do yeah. just like ah, sounds good because it's a big marketplace but they never do the due diligence so it doesn't necessarily mean that this is going to be a best-selling product and it will cost you a lot and you just really need to do the due diligence, which you can do yourself as well. So 
I recommend going to Seller Central and then going to the opportunity report, just not a report, but like to see like the sales, to see like the demand, to see if the, the, the audience want your product. Then what I would also do is like, I would do the research a little bit. Let's say I want to sell in Germany. Then I would take the, the key keyword and then do a little research, see the search volume. If the search volume is like 200 or 300, then yeah. probably that's not, you know, worth mm. going to be worth on your investment. They're going to be like, pretty low ROI on that. Um, so I would just like check the, the search volume. Definitely. I would then, then check your competitors. I would do the analysis of your, your competitors, see like how well they're doing. As I said, I don't think the competitors should be a big problem on a, a foreign marketplace. So let's say that competitors, maybe like two, three top competitors, then you mm -hmm. check the pricing. Um, and then you, you know, just see like, you know, what is it like a seasonal product? Um, you know, there's just like a lot of things that you can do um on your own and you can definitely check if the audience is going to buy this product you can go to like facebook groups like for instance like yeah. if you want to sell a product in japan it's a really really tricky marketplace but you can yeah. find like aspect groups um and ask japanese for instance japanese people be like hey would you like to buy this product mm. and do have are you like an amazon prime subscriber for instance and then you can ask them and they'll be just like hey so i won't buy this product if 10 of them say no, or like if the 50 of them said, yeah, then it's a green light for you. And then you can start thinking about this product. Like this is like a little bit of the um, uh, DIY you can do your own, on your own. And yeah. there are some like guidelines that will be like, okay, so I think I should launch on this marketplace. But we've had a seller, for instance, and he was selling Mr. and Mrs. T-shirts. And yeah. he wanted to sell this in Germany. He was actually selling this already in Germany. And he came to us. He was like, okay, like, can you check like my listing? Mm. Are they well optimized? Everything was fine. The keywords were there. Search volume was not specifically high. Mm -hmm. But then I just got the idea to ask my German team. And all of them said, no, we would not buy this product because this is not <laughs> something that we like. Like this the is German people do. Find. Yeah. Yeah. This will not, like Germans don't kind of like these things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just get, I went back to the seller and was like, you know what? I just don't think it's a good fit because <laughs> I don't think the audience likes it. There's yeah. nothing you've done. Like there's nothing wrong you've done. You've worked great. Like we worked with your listing. You've like enhanced your images, localized them, keywords, everything. But sometimes it's just not a great fit. And mm -hmm. this is what you should find out before you start expanding. Um, yeah. I would never suggest someone expand just because on um, expansion sake or yeah, just because yeah. like, oh, yes, we're definitely going to increase your revenues to just sell everywhere. You still need to do the due diligence, which the majority of sellers, also the very successful sellers, don't do. Yeah. And so this is how you can basically do a great bit, great bit of homework and basically get ahead in the very early start. Because yeah. I've just also told you that a lot of these sellers, they don't even know why they have expanded, <laughs> what they have expanded. I know, I know. That happens so to me yeah. it's all about the mindset. It's all about these things that are pretty obvious to me. But from what I've realized, like talking to so many different sellers, is that sellers don't think about that. And yeah. this, is, this is your edge. If you're listening to this and if you're wondering to expand or not, this is your edge because a lot of the, you know, the, the, the thoughts like running through your mind and like how I should do this. Maybe you should like you know, do the market research. Do mm -hmm. it because a lot of your competitors have not done this ever. Love it. Love it. Yeah. And now I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned. And I think this is very good thing that we bring back to the table, which is localization. Right. Mm -hmm. And you also gave us the example of your German team. Right. So yeah. basically my question is, 
would you then advise when you're looking for localization of your product in any given country to use some a, a team that has some kind of a people that is from that country understand that culture because i feel like even if you are an expert on that in that language and you, and you speak it fluently and all of that maybe if you have never lived in that country you are going to struggle to do the localization right maybe Absolutely. So this is also what I personally um, had to battle with. So when we first started, started about four years ago, I, as a professional translator, I know tons of other professional translators, yeah. which do a great job when it comes to translating like agreements and stuff like mm -hmm. that. But like sales trust, because like product listing is your sales copy. You're trying to sell your yeah. product in a nice way. So U.S. Um, style is like very salesly and fluffy and that style doesn't work in german like you cannot sell that same style and sell the same product in the same way that you're selling it uh in the us you know just yeah. gonna be like hey you yeah. know like <laughs> look at this like you know I like know, having know. this like emotional language yeah. and like stuff they don't like that. they don't work like that yeah <laughs> no 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 they really they really like uh don't like that um also like let's say in japan um that's very tricky because like um you don't like a lot of listings are just like literate, literate translation of the um source text like word by word I and see. like let's say a lot of competitors on one, one prime they we, we we did an audit um a lot of the competitors are doing a much better job than this specific seller because they're using more of the customer oriented um expressions mm. there are a bunch more of informal how basically to, how yeah. to be polite in japan and like how to speak in that matter manner yeah. and sellers don't know that there are like so many nuances in a language that you need to understand and feel it and if yeah. you haven't first of all lived in that country you can be an amazing translator but yeah. there's like this fine nuance that you will not have which is called localization yeah understanding how the target audience feels and thinks um mm -hmm. and also number two is you will not be able to fit those keywords into the natural flow of the language yeah. because that will stir it up a little bit and a translator that hasn't had that like nuance like just like slightly higher feel of the language you might know how to connect the nothing, dots basically but it is yeah. it's a lot it's a lot more so localization is very very important and um also and the number three is that your translator that you hired they need to have a copywriting slash marketing sales experience because mm. if you hire someone who's done a lot of medical translation uh law mm. like contracts um I don't know, like something which is not traditional with sales, yeah. traditional more one, they will not have what it takes because um, this type of translation involves a little bit of also like, um, um, it's called sales like, pitch. It's called yeah, have... sales pitch. Um, it's also called like uh, trans creation. You need to create a little bit parts, like mm -hmm. a little bit of copywriting as well. Uh, like a sentence that says, um, these espresso glasses will remind you of your grandma when childhood playing from the fireplace in the US. In yeah. German, you would say thermo-isolated glass because yeah. it means it doesn't burn your fingers. So get to the point. Don't just go on yeah, rambling about your, you know, like, yeah. uh, you know, um, uh, reviving your childhood memories and stuff like that. Like people don't like that. So you have to have the sense and the feel to it. And not all translators have that. So you have to be very, very careful of who you choose to work with. That is the most essential thing because translations, I mean, my company is called YLT Translations, but I mean, it's not translations. It's more than that. But this is, let's yeah. say, like the, the broadest term I could add. Yeah, yeah. It's like more of like a, we create a listing and localize them so they translate into your sales. This is basically yeah. how a 
person that you work with should be. And that's awesome. it. Very yeah. nice. Okay, very good. Yeah, I love it. I think the localization part is super important because I feel we, I see that mistake a lot. Like people say, okay, I'm fully fluent, but they don't have that thing yeah. that you're mentioning, which is the self Oh, and also, and I just remember, you're, you're, um, are you Italian? Yes, yeah. Oh, so I, I just remember there was an A-plus content and there was like this U.S. Uh, seller. He was selling pasta. Okay. And so the, the text in A-plus content says, pasta like in Bella Italia. Like that's okay. like the text was, right? Yeah, yeah. So for U.S. person, that means like, oh, it's like the genuine Italian mm -hmm. pasta. Yeah, But yeah. he wanted to sell this in, in, in Italy. And so what does Bella Italia mean to an Italian? nothing right doesn't mean <laughs> yeah. anything so it doesn't mean yeah. like what is it so we just we just changed that so it said pasta like your nonna like your grandma mm, used to make which connects more to, which us, connects nonna, more to like genuine family, pasta, like cooking, family yeah. handmade like quality and yeah, stuff yeah. like that so yeah. that's also a really good uh, example of localization because you cannot you know like sell bella italia to an italian person because uh, yeah. it would just not make any sense and it'll probably mean ah oh, this is some like you know it's not a great product since they're using the word bella italia it's not genuine italian <laughs> um, so yeah i love that yeah that's a very good example by the way yeah very good one um now let's uh, actually also start talking about um i mean we already mentioned a lot of the mistakes uh, people is doing but i would like to you know see if there is any other huge mistake you see people doing when expanding um i mean we already touched localization and not using the keywords but is there something as you feel people is still doing a lot and is definitely harming them when doing this expansion to their marketplaces based on your experience Uh, yeah, so definitely number one is like not doing the market research at all, not doing keywords, doing uh, Google Translate. Um, also, just um, I would say that they're like uh, doing their content immediately and then waiting for VAT numbers like six months later know, because that content really changes, changes. keywords, change in time. Maybe some new rules will be introduced during that time. So this is like something that you should do like probably like a month before you launch the product. This is also something that people don't like, they don't have the, the, like the steps, like, the, like you should like write down, open this notepad, write down the steps, like how it goes. Mm. If you don't know how it goes, like, you know, I'm happy to help uh, with that, but it's also something that like people just, just do it like all the way around. It's just like, um, it's just ridiculous. And, but I would say just like overall problem is that people think that if they have a best selling product, it's going to be best selling on um, all the marketplaces. Yeah. yeah. And I have like a really um, talking about, you know, the culture and how like one country lives by and like what they have and what people don't have in another country. A uh, very interesting product that I found. It was, it's a, it's a portable AC, the little like a uh, mm -hmm. plastic, like little yeah. box. And by frequency search term in the US, it's like, I don't know, like 1,700 place or something. But in Germany, it's in top 10 search terms, especially during summer. Mm -hmm. Because what's very interesting is that in Germany, you don't have like ACs in buildings and houses. Italy the climate, the yeah, yeah, the climate was not this hot as it was mm. like 10 years ago. So people are searching more and more about like, um mm. other solutions like to how to cool off like during summertime yeah, so yeah. if you're having this failing product in the us it might be a winning product in germany for instance but yeah, as yeah. i said all you have to do is like go to brand analytics and see the search frequency search term and even if you compared um valentine's for instance like in different countries 
you'll be surprised that like in Spain, they're not that many Valentine gifts, search yeah. phrases. Uh, versus like us or uk japan doesn't even have any they don't have like, <laughs> yeah. um anime keywords like in February yeah, yeah, and I stuff know. like that so mm. it's quite quite different and the thing is that you can do like everything i've just mentioned you can go and try out um yourself um it's not that difficult that like this is something that's impossible yeah. to do um so i should you know i just always advise people going and trying that themselves and then maybe if there's like something they're not comfortable doing that you know you can reach out and get this you know get get help with this but uh, usually this is something that you can do on your own and it's not going to take you a lot of time um yeah. so these are like the top things that yeah. i always you know like uh, mention um that people don't think about very yeah, basic I... but nobody thinks about them no, I know. I mean, they're awesome. So thank you for that. I appreciate them. Awesome. So I think, yeah, I mean, to be honest, I love this episode. I feel uh, everything that has to do with uh, translation localization is super important nowadays. And whenever we also do audits and we see a product failing, most of the time it is to do with that. So super important. Yeah, content. Appreciate, yeah. yeah. Oh, super. I just remember one good thing could be a good tip, like to close it off with that. So um, uh, in the U.S., like you have like a lot of like big Hispanic population. And mm -hmm. then, of course, it's always advised to put the Spanish keywords in backends. Yeah. Uh, and then I get a question like, you know, what what if in like in France, like should we use, I don't know, this or that? Or like in Germany, should we use like um, other language? So what I think is that, you know, if you do the, the keyword research or the main keyword and like your competitors and all of that, and if like an, a keyword shows up that maybe your you know whoever in your team speaks german and he doesn't understand it's probably going to be a different language we've had a situation that people see turkish keywords in mm. you know this is what people search for in germany it's a big population there yes yeah. for specific products so if you see some like you know weird languages popping up then put it in the back ends it doesn't necessarily have to mean like oh rule of thumb is that if it's germany i don't use any other language no if you oh. see even if it's italian and you see like i don't another language mm. which is not something that mm. you see often in those results definitely pick those whatever these languages are and put them in backends because they're obviously being searched on that marketplace and it's weird to put them in front end listing but definitely they have high search volume put them always in backends yeah that's it yeah also like in canada it's like french french you have a lot exactly. of french ones yes. so yeah very exactly. good tip awesome so yeah i mean uh, it would be awesome as well if you can share where people can find you because i'm pretty sure now people that have uh, all these tips from you maybe they want to reach out and, and get the services directly from you so how can people find you and get in contact with you if they were looking sure. for translations and these services yeah absolutely so i always recommend everyone to add me on linkedin or mm -hmm. facebook but linkedin is my preferable channel and you can also like uh, like our uh wealthy translations page on linkedin or facebook because we share like a bunch of updates and like we're always like trying to keep up like with all the amazon new like rules and a bunch of things happening all the time and if you like any of the advices and tips that i've shared i do a lot of uh, videos and posts about this and on linkedin and i always try to be like um i always try to be like in top one two percent of like the relevant people with <laughs> yeah, all international expansion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so if you like the content that i shared today just follow me on linkedin and you know um reach out if you have any questions if you like an audit or report or opportunity uh you know a review of your product just hit me up and i'll be happy to share everything i have and you know improve your listings if possible Awesome. I'm going to make sure to put all the links down in the description. Yeah. yeah. So thank Absolutely. you very much for coming. And it's been a pleasure. Okay. Looking forward. Thank to you so much for having on. me. Okay. Great talking to you. Bye-bye. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Thanks for listening to The E-Commerce Lab by EcomC. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. While you are at it, we would appreciate it if you could leave an honest rating and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. That will make it easier for others to find out about the show and benefit from it. Want more? Visit our website at www.ecomc.com where you can get your first consultation for free. Or find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at ecomc.com.